morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You're with the Double L team, Lyle and... Lawson. Lawson, how are you this morning? Oh, so great. So awesome. You know why? Why is that? This weekend... Yes. ...was the last time that we are going to do church on Zoom. So, yes. So this coming weekend is the first time for ages we're going to do church in person and we're looking like it's... Until a new strain comes out. Yeah, until, I don't know, the, the, bypasses the, the, the gamma variant or the the omega variant or the something, whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Or we all just, like, get Ebola. <laughs> <laughs> something will happen. And then you'll be back into lockdown again. <laughs> That's right. Hey, that being said, that yes. being said, uh, yeah, I had a really fantastic weekend other than one simple fact. The Bolt saga continues. Oh, the Bolt. You know what? You the know bolt. why? You know why? No. So the Bolt you put in there to replace the yeah, old Bolt. The, I put all out. the Bolts, put all the Bolts in, did it all up, went for a ride yesterday. Like I'd been going for a ride like every day, but I went for a ride yesterday. I just want to do a quick hour because I had some work I needed to do. Had to like go into town and travel around and pick up stuff and uh, whatnot. And I went out for a ride and I'm like in the bush and all of the bolts in my exhaust snapped at once. Oh, they snapped. <laughs> they all they snapped. broke. Luckily, it wasn't the bolt that got stuck in there. So the manifold bolts are still there. But like in terms of like the tailpipe and everything all broke off. And all of a sudden my bike went from vroom, vroom to bah. And I was like, what's going on? <laughs> and then luckily, luckily I was close to the engines. I just like wheeled my bike out there and called my dad and he came with some cable ties and chucked some cable ties on and I got to, to go home. But now my bike's just sitting in my shed. Like, oh, well, all sad again. Need more. See, this is what happens when you touch things. <laughs> don't touch things. If it's not broken, don't <laughs> that's, fix it. That's right. That's right. Oh, dear. The Bolt Sagas. Let's help Lawson out with them. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. All right. What's happening in the world of positively different news? Positively different news. So I learned recently that one of the biggest uses of water in the world and one of the biggest contributors to wastewater is clothes dyeing. So 20% of all wastewater in the world is made from the clothes dyeing industry. Really? Yeah, really. Trillions of litres of water are used to dye clothes every year, a lot of which aren't recyclable because they're... Well, then let's not dye clothes in Australia. They're pumped full of chemicals. Well, this is the thing, is that this is obviously a, a problem. We're living in a very water-stretched world. You know, there's many places that... Maybe we should just stop dyeing clothes then. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of like, oh, we can all just wear... What, what colour is cotton naturally? I think it's white. It's just white. Or off-white? Yeah, something like that. Off-white some, is fine. Nothing wrong with off-white. Some kind of brownie... Why do you something? I have no idea. Maybe somebody who is in the clothes industry can tell us what uh, cotton, what do we got? Cotton, silk, polyester. What else is stuff made out of? I don't know. Uh, wool. Wool. Mm-hmm. What What colour is it naturally? I'm pretty sure wool is an off-white. Yeah, that's right. To brown, depending on what kind of sheep it came Yeah, from. yeah. Well, see, d- d- rather, than cl- rather than dyeing clothes, maybe we should just breed different colours of sheep. <laughs> yeah. Problem solved. Yeah. Surely we have somebody out there who grows sheep, who has sheep, uh, and who can tell us how to make different colours of sheep. I was about to make some joke about like 
breeding, you know, a brown cow that makes chocolate milk. But at the same time, like, no, that that actually makes sense. Like, but I feel like there's some limitations. I don't, I don't feel there like might a, be some limitations. I, I don't feel like a maybe, purple sheep is gonna come out anytime soon. Maybe what we should do is dye the sheep rather than dyeing the clothes, and maybe use less water. I mean, you've got a dip sheep anyway, so just dip them in dye as well as <laughs> bug filler. Well, dude, check this out. Uh, Ralph Lauren, which is a quite famous, relatively, I would say it's like high-end in terms of just its base level of clothes. Um, Ralph Lauren uh, have gotten together with a com- couple of different companies to come up with a solution um, that uses 90% fewer c- uh, chemicals, 50% less water, 50% less dye, and 40% less energy without sacrificing colour or quality. Ooh. So they've gone and they're like, okay, this is a serious problem. We're going to invest in new technology. And I've been trying to, to read and research um, exactly how their new system works. And they, I can't necessarily find it. And I thought like, oh, maybe is it hidden behind copyright? But actually what they've done is they've made an open source manual that they have openly for, and for free, like shared with whichever company they want like whichever company that wants to do it so that all of these companies can... Can use a lot less water. Can use a lot less water. Do you know, I feel like Ralph Lauren, they're a luxury brand and just, I don't know, people who sell things like clothes, it's like, do they, do they really have a soul at the end of the day? Like particularly, a, you know, a worldwide multinational brand like Ralph Lauren. And it's like, oh, you know, they could just harbor this technology and they're like, buy our clothes because you're saving the planet. If you buy their clothes, then like... You're actively harming the planet. But um, no, what they've done is they've gone like, okay, no, this is a serious problem in the industry that we're in. And what we're going to do is is solve it, uh, not only for us, but for everyone else. Um, but yeah. The cynic in me says that they're still trying to just look good by sharing it with everybody else. Yeah. Well, like, that's the thing. If they didn't, there's that balance, right? Of like, on one side, it's like, it could give them an advantage in the market. And on the other side, they could get cancelled on Twitter. So, like, which apparently is important to, to companies th- these apparently days. Apparently it is. So, so yeah, they've done, I, I, I believe, as I see here, you know, ultimately, you know, what's the outcome? Well, a net gain for the clothes industry in terms of dying, because, you know, it's not only that, oh, okay, this saves water and chemicals. That's fantastic. Also, the water that's used um, to dye the clothes can also... They have a system for recycling now, which they didn't have before. It's like, okay, that's great. But it also saves time and energy. So so it's like, this is going to boost production. Make clothes cheaper. Make clothes... Maybe, maybe, we'll all be, maybe you and I will be able to afford Ralph Lauren. Yeah. That's, <laughs> I doubt it. From the op shop. <laughs> <laughs> <That's right. laughs> I sometimes I somehow doubt it, but hey, yeah, absolutely from the op shop, dude. So- I think I think their prices will stay the same. Their profit margin will just go up. Yeah, that's right. It's like our clothes are so much more cheaper to make, and they save the planet, and that's why you need to play play. Pay more Pay for them. More for them. Okay. Oh, dude, in other water news, uh, the University of Texas in Austin has created a tablet that purifies a liter of water in an hour or less, which is really good. You know, the current methods of water purification, yes, people are coming up with different types of, uh, you know, all kinds of different solutions, but the main ones that people use is either like pasteurizing or boiling, which takes energy and time and in particularly remote places can be a struggle for people, versus uh, distributing these tablets that can be dropped into a liter of river water or whatever it may be and just clean it up with 99 
0.999 efficiency. Percent efficiency. That's, that's very high level of efficiency. Yeah, I'm like that 0.0001 though. That might be COVID, so watch out. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, no, it uses... Okay, this is what was scary to me as I read this. It's like, oh yeah, it uses hydrogen peroxide uh, that works with activated carbon. I'm like, I don't know if I want to drink bleach. Because that's that's literally what hydrogen peroxide is, and I was like, uh, I I don't know if I want to put that in my body, but apparently, um, it has the ability to just fully purify this water to dissolve in, and the hydrodi- the hydrogen peroxide itself dissolves and becomes safe for drinking, or at least you hope. Uh, so this is currently in prototype stages. They're, you know, testing it at the University of Texas, but eventually it will, you know be able to be distributed to a bunch of different countries. And I see this as a solution. Like if they can scale this up for mass production, I could definitely see this as something that, you know, government agencies get involved with and whatnot, or like governments themselves, like, oh, you know, you're the government from Malawi where they don't have electricity and or very, what is it, like 15% of the population in Malawi has like electricity and like, you know, a huge few number of people have access to clean drinking water or, you know, um, they're in water stressed areas. It's like, oh, as a government, they can buy or get donated to a ton of tablets, which they can distribute across the nation. So I feel like this is a really, really awesome thing because it's such an easy method. Absolutely. And also I'd like to see this in a form of like just a little a tablet that you can buy and they're like, you could buy it on the shelf and then, you, and then you can go out camping and you can get, go in roughing it in the bush and just head down to the local freshwater Creek and get some water and chuck a tablet in it. And then you're all good. Yeah. Sounds like a great, sounds like a great idea. Mm. Let's have more of it. Definitely. Definitely. Oh, lastly here, NASA is sending out, uh, their Lucy, uh, plane, their Lucy, uh, spacecraft to fly. From media to media and find space fossils. Space fossils? Yes. Right. I'm I'm a bit I'm a bit like do, do you think they'll find much like dead things in space? Yeah. I am I am very unsure about uh, this. Like, I am extremely uh, unsure about old? this. I do not see death existing outside of our planet. <laughs> yeah, but I'm just like do things even get outside to space outside of our planet to die or any planet. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. So we've just heard testimony or a story from a priest who was uh, present at the death of the assassination of David Ames, Sir David Ames, uh, British MP in the UK over the weekend. And of course, David Ames was a Roman Catholic. And as it turns out, it seems that he was denied the last rites. And so when news got out that this assassination attempt had been made, of course, at this particular point, it was an attempt. Uh, he did die at the scene. He was at a church when this happened. Uh, this particular priest, uh, Jeffrey Woolno, uh, rushed to the scene to be able to um, administer the last rites if needed and was denied access by the police and so this is this is kind of sad from a number of different perspectives because, you know, for a Roman Catholic, this is something that is very important, but also for a Roman Catholic, it's something that they tend to rely on. Mm. 
And so it can be very circumstantial as to whether a Roman Catholic receives this. And it's one of the things that I really appreciate about the Bible is that the Bible doesn't require the last rites. The Bible simply mm. requires the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Mm. And so just sort of looking through this, uh, you know, uh, this particular priest, he, he just had to stand outside of the taped-off area and recite the rosary. And so he stood out there and recited the rosary. He said, I just hope David received those prayers. And, and the whole thing just makes me sad because it's like, okay, is God limited by circumstances here on this earth when it comes to salvation? Mm. And, and and does God need somebody to come up and to repeat a prayer, you know, in his ears that has been repeated like a billion times every day, the same prayer, reciting mm. the rosary, so that that person can be saved? Does God restore? restrict heaven does god send somebody to purgatory just because the priest can't get close enough to them yeah totally while they're still alive it just raises a bunch of questions in my mind about the character of god if if this is actually a thing uh the priest pointed out uh uh jeffrey woolner that it's important for roman catholics to carry a card that says i need to see a priest Mm. because police typically won't call a priest when somebody is dying at the scene of um, you know, a, a, an accident or a murder or some other kind of you know, terrible incident, and that they typically won't call somebody unless the uh, family requests for it. And usually, he stated, it's too late for the last, because it's, for the, it's too late for the last rites once the person is dead. And so this raises a bunch of questions in my mind. Okay, what does God do in this situation if a person is dying and a priest is not able to be there? Does God say, well, you know, that's too bad. You were too far from a priest when you died, so you've got to go to purgatory for X amount of million years before you can go to heaven? Mm. Is that really what God is like? Is that, I mean, the whole, the whole story just breaks my heart because of what it says about the character of God. Yeah, totally. And the other thing that breaks my heart is that there's nothing in the Bible about last rites. Yeah, that's right. There's nothing in the Bible about purgatory. Mm. You know, these these things are absolutely absent from Scripture. And there's nothing in the Bible that, you know, requires that you do any of this kind of stuff. And to me, it seems to be, okay, Let's. I would just much rather trust in the grace of Jesus Christ because yeah. he died for me, he saved me, and I know that I can place my life in his hands. I know that he loves me more than any human being, more than any priest can love me here on this earth. It's almost like the priest loves the person more than what God does. Yeah, wow. The priest has never actually met the person face to face, has more love for them because the priest is prepared to go in there and say the last rites and get them into heaven. But God's like, well, you know, the priest didn't make it, so sorry, I'm not letting you in. Regardless of whether you lived a righteous life, regardless of whether you were covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, regardless of whether you would accept Jesus' grace or not, it's like, well, the last the, the priest didn't arrive, so the last rites weren't said and you're not allowed in. I don't understand this. And this is one of the challenges that we have when we start to add traditions to Scripture and make our traditions of equal value yeah. to Scripture. Anyway, that was a story that uh, took place over the weekend that, yeah, tragic, tragic story. Uh, happening there in the UK. It's always awful when somebody is assassinated. Uh, moving from the UK uh, to Haiti, 
17 missionaries have just been kidnapped on their way to the airport after being involved in uh, what we might call a fly and build kind of situation. They'd gone there to build an orphanage. And as often happens, you know, I've been in these situations many times. You and I were in one of these buses one time on the way to an airport in Ethiopia. And there's (laughs) some pretty dodgy places that you drive through. You know, guys getting around with AK-47s and... You know, even Mm -hmm. stopping the bus at one particular point. You're jammed in that bus like a sardine. You're not going anywhere if anything bad happens. (laughs) Yeah, it's The windows are too small to get out and you have like, you know, not only are the seats jammed in but the aisles are full of people Mm. and you are completely at the mercy of, you know, it's basically a steel coffin if things go wrong, Mm. a steel and glass coffin. Uh, And so, yeah, they were were, uh, on building this orphanage over there and on their way to the airport to fly home and a group of men, women and children were kidnapped and uh, we're kind of hoping, you know, that they're being held for ransom because Mm. that means that they will be kept alive. Yeah. Of course, Haiti is the poorest country in the Americas, one of the poorest countries in the world. It um, historically has been one of the most violent places in the Americas and has the lowest human development score of anywhere in the Americas. Mm. So it's a it's a it's a it's a country that has been gripped by tragedy for a couple of centuries now, uh, gripped by violence and corruption, and you know recently their president was assassinated. Then they had a massive earthquake. But did you know that leading up to 1804, Haiti was one of the richest countries in the world? Oh wow! Yeah. How, was that because of like the sugar and slaves? Yeah, <laughs> yep. Basically, that's what it was. It was one of the wealthiest countries in the world as a result of sugar and slaves. Of course, it's the only country in the world that was actually established by a slave rebellion. Mm. And so uh, that slave rebellion actually took place over you know quite a number of years, but it ended in eighteen o four. Yep. Um, and then they went to war, of course, with the Dominican Republic. That lasted to the eighteen seventies. Then they became incredibly politically unstable. Uh, America even occupied Haiti for a while to try and bring about some stability there. They failed. Uh, the Duvalier family uh, were able to stabilise it basically with a, a violent autocracy mm. for about 30 years uh, until that family died out and it's kind of continued on a path of violence and poverty ever since. We're going to talk about Jacob Azaminius. We'll save him for another day. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. There you go. I'm a bit lost now. Me too, and but it's okay. Well, we, we, we will get there. This is a chance for you listeners. That's While right. we're doing the interview, you can be working on your answer to the quiz. Let's mm-hmm. see what you can come up with. All right, so joining us on the phone this morning is Etienne McClintock from Voice of the Martyrs. Etienne, welcome to the show. Thank you, Lyle. Good morning to Lawson and your dear listener out there as well. Etienne, I would imagine the last month has been a fairly busy month for you guys. I've seen lots of news stories about religious persecution coming across my desk. What has been happening around the world? Yeah, look, always it's busy, always there's persecution, and it just seems like you know there's just a, a shift in the, in the global community where there's a, a greater antagonism towards the Christian worldview, our values, what the Bible teaches. And, uh, you know, this is not foreign to us. It's just that uh, it's escalated as far as the scale of persecution is concerned. 
because there are still 52 countries and territories around the world where the Bible is outlawed. It's illegal to have a Bible. You know, we spoke about Afghanistan last uh, last time, and if you get caught with a Bible there, you could lose your life. As simple as that. And in Korea, it's the same. Where you may end up in a uh, in a prison camp, a labor camp, and you have to work uh, there until you die, basically, because you get fed just enough food to barely survive. And uh, we just recently had a report of a, a dear old pastor that was thrown into a prison camp there and uh, basically died of exhaustion. He was 84 years old, but he'd been arrested a number of times and let, let alone for a while. And uh, that's just a common thing, unfortunately. So, uh, you know, on average, you have uh, quite a number of people who die for their faith on a daily basis. It's around five people. If you look at it, uh, you know, spread out through the year and you, you take how many days there are in a year, uh, it is tough for people. But we have upcoming. Um, normally it's the first Sunday uh, of November I guess it's Seventh-day Adventist so maybe the first the Saturday the first Sabbath of November uh, the International Day of Prayer for Persecuted Christians now this is a global event where many many churches around the world are participating and if people are interested in participating they can download a little video and they can also just download a little PowerPoint presentation and just remind people around the world of those who are being mistreated, to those who are in prison, to those who are martyred for their faith um, every year. And this is a great little event just to remind people because we read the scriptures. You know, in the West, we know that persecution uh, lies on the horizon. We're really seeing some of the warning, you know, warning signs, some of the storm clouds forming on the horizon. And uh, this will just remind us of what people are going through now. And uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 3 tells us to remember those who are imprisoned as if we are imprisoned with them. So that's a close association with fellow believers and also those who are mistreated because we are part of the same body of Christ. Christ being the head of the body, of course, and us being members of one another. And if one member of the body suffers, the Bible tells us that the, the whole body suffers. So we'll go to, they call it IDOP, I-D-O-P, which is International Day of Prayer for Persecuted Christians. And it's the, the first weekend of November, and they can download some resources. Just go on to vom.com.au, and you can download some resources there. There's a video there, which is almost five minutes long. Now, this video is an ex- extract of clips from a new movie that's coming out uh, a week later on the 14th, Sunday the 14th of November, called Sabina, Portrait for Christ, The Nazi Years. Now, uh, Lyle, you've seen the previous movie, Torture for Christ, the story of Richard Wurmbrandt under the communists. Yes. But this, yeah, now this movie is a prequel. So it actually means it talks about the events that happened before that uh, event um, captured in that movie. And this is actually to do with the Nazi years before the communists rolled in. And it actually tells the story of how Sabina and Richard Wurmbrandt became Christians because they were secular Jews. And of course, even though they were Christian now, uh, as Jews, they had to go through many risky things um, because of their uh, association that they were born as, as, as both as Jewish people. And uh, it tells the story uh, of how they went from hedonism and just enjoying life to actually becoming followers of Christ. And the, the, the clip that's used for IDOP is called Finding Life and how the spirit of love and forgiveness permeated them. Um, Sabina Wurmbrand actually lost her family to the Nazis. They were killed by the Nazis. And then she ends up risking her life for the same military machine, people from the military who, uh, who she actually hid um, because people were looking for them after the war. So just an incredible story of forgiveness. And so this will be available. Wait, 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 wait. Let me back up a second. Hmm. So after the war, 
Well, she, it's during the war and after the war. But, so but so during, the war, the war. during the war, she because she is um, of Jewish descent, she's targeted because, you know, and, and has to survive the, the, the Nazi regime because she's of Jewish descent. After right, the war, yes. what you're saying is that she saves people that what the, the local population was going after or...? Yeah, well, look, they, they, they risk their life because they're actually hiding a lot of other Jewish people as well, so they're sort of working underground. But some military, some soldiers, and possibly even the guy that killed her parents, he actually puts into hiding when the people start looking for them towards the end of the war, you know, when, uh, when the Nazis rolled out, the communists rolled in during that era as yes. well. So the story ca- captures a few years, but just an amazing story of forgiveness. Why would you help the regime that murdered your parents? And she does that. Wow. Um, matter of fact, uh, that's incredible. Richard. That's an incredible thought. I never knew yeah. this about the, the the Richard and Sabrina Wormbrandt story. I never ever knew that part of it. Well, listen. If your listeners are interested, what we could do is make a, maybe a couple of double passes available to them. They just have to go onto the. Um, the sabinamovie.com.au website just to see where those tickets are and which locations we have this movie coming out on the 14th of November, Sunday the 14th of November, around 3.30 in the afternoon for probably 95% of the venues. And they can go and uh, get these double passes if they give you guys a call. But they need to just go and check because we don't want to give, obviously, tickets away to people um, if they're not able to use them and they're some distance away from one of the, the screenings. Yes, but a, a, a remarkable movie. But five minutes of clips, specifically in regards to finding life and finding forgiveness, you know, a new life in Christ, is on the IDOP video, uh, which you can download for free. Yeah, absolutely. So to, to download the IDOP video, we simply go to what vom.com.au? Yeah, and just click on uh, International Day of Prayer. There's quick links there. I mean, if you if you if you're smart, you can just go vom.com.au forward slash idop. And you'll go to the same uh, same page, basically. Fantastic stuff. The material that you guys produce at Voice of the Martyrs is just absolutely first class, first first quality. Uh, the um, Torture for Christ movie, the story of Richard Wormbrandt, you know, during the communist years, was just absolutely outstanding. It was moving. It was eye opening. Mm. It was life changing. I would recommend that anybody who has not seen that movie should see that movie. Contact Voice of the Martyrs if you'd like to get a copy of it or find out where you can. Uh, watch it and to know that you guys are putting out a prequel to that i am super excited about it and you know you've just whetted my appetite with a bunch of information there that i had no idea about uh from the nazi years from that story so that's going to be just uh absolutely sensational to see yeah and look we we're selling tickets online for 12 dollars for those who may not um we just really do the giveaway just to be a promotion you know so people know more about it and uh, it'll be a, a movie of encouragement. It's a bit of a drama. It goes for roughly, well, just under two hours. But I think people will be blessed by the story because it actually tells about the transition, you know, when they become Christians and they've got to leave some of the worldliness behind. Sabina took a little bit of a while to do it. Richard was saying, you know, if we go and watch the movies, is it okay for me to go and act out the things that we see in the movies? Now, if a Christian doesn't behave that way, then why are we going to watching other people behave that way, you know? So there's a lot of wonderful principles in this movie, but the spirit of forgiveness, the spirit of Christ, is very evident uh, throughout this movie, you know, once they uh, they make that uh, decision. Because Richard Wurmbrandt almost died, and uh, he was at a health retreat when a carpenter actually gave him a Bible and started sharing the gospel with him. And this carpenter had been praying for years that he'd like to bring a Jew to Christ, and uh, the Lord answered his prayer through Richard Wurmbrandt. Yeah, wow. So, uh, amazing God. story. 
Mm. But listen, the last time we spoke, we spoke about Afghanistan. Uh, you know, at that stage, I think we had about 10 MBB uh, leaders. Now, MBB stands for Muslim Background Believers, um, who we have been able to fly out of Afghanistan. There were still another 13 of their families that were left over. Subsequent to this, we've been able to get them out as well. But there was another big group. They were like 200 orphans. And there was another 100 Muslim background believers who also chose to leave. Now, typically, we don't expect people. We work in the country. We empower people to share the gospel, whether it be deep underground or home house churches or whatever it may be. But in instances like this, where if they caught, they're as good as dead. You know, it's a biblical principle. If you are persecuted in one city, Jesus says, flee to another. And so uh, we've helped them. And uh, we actually got into Kabul airport shortly after we spoke last time. They got through seven Taliban checkpoints, which was a miracle in itself. Mm. And, you look, there's some things that have happened in Afghanistan. Unless our people on the ground told us, you would question everything you hear. Just things that just don't make sense. But anyway, they get to Kabul airport. And as they enter, the uh, U.S. military that was still there opened fire upon them. So these guys have to flee back into the maddening crowd outside. And now we've got a problem. We've got 300 people that if they caught and people find out their questions, they're dead. And so where do we hide 300 people? So we found a building, and uh, this building, I'm not going to give much details around it. Uh, if people were on our persecution prayer meeting, they would have had more detail in, in regards to this. But we put them in a building, um, and this building is actually where the Taliban headquarters are. Um, so they're actually amongst the Taliban, and some of our people actually mingle with the Taliban's word as well. They obviously don't know if they're, what their persuasion is. Everybody dresses the same. And then over a period of time, we've got to extract them from there, get them to another city, and eventually we were able to get them out with a number of other people on about eight to nine planes. So, they, But there were about 400 Christians we were able to get out to, uh, to other places, and um, they're now being processed in those other places. But our focus is still on these, back, uh, these uh, Muslim background believers. Some of them have decided to stay and share the gospel, so we're still working with about 122 of them. Yeah, the, I tell you what, the courage of those that have decide, decided to stay. That's <laughs> when you say that, yeah. decided to stay in Afghanistan. That is absolute courage and dedication right there. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and look, I'll, how much time have we got? I've got another story, but we may not have time. Yeah, to go, share for it, the whole story. go for it. Go for it, Etienne. Share with us. We've got about two and a half minutes. Okay. Look, there's a, there's a guy known as the Gospel Warrior. His name is Shen Wensheng. And uh, he was just released on the 11th of October, what's it, the 18th? A week ago, he was released after 15 days uh, in detention. Now, detention is not quite prison. It's sort of like a other house where they get locked up. But this is the sixth time he's been placed under detention. And I started following this guy uh, as of last year when he got arrested the first time. Matter of fact, he was the first arrest in China this year as well. On the 1st of January, they, they arrested him. And he, uh, he lives in a city where he shares the gospel on the streets. And he normally, typically, he works other times, but he, he does it during the weekends. And he preaches to everybody. He's got a cross up there. Sometimes he's by himself. Sometimes he's with other people. And, you know, he's been threatened by the police a number of times. And when he does get threatened, he's just uh, such a loving guy. He just tells the police that the Lord loves you um, and the Lord wants to save you. And, uh, you know, he, he just says the gospel like that. But uh, the... the he was just uh, under detention, surveillance for 20 days, and during that time they interrogated him as well, attempted to persuade him to stop proclaiming the gospel on the streets. They told him that they documented more than a thousand times he had traveled to other regions throughout China to preach the gospel in the last 20 years, right? So this guy's quite a little, uh, quite, a, quite a missionary. And um, he's, um, 
he's been sharing the gospel, and then when they arrest him, he's just friendly. He goes, you know, um, oh, yeah, I'll gladly come with you. Um, but on his cross that he has, he's got these Chinese characters, and he just says, uh, glorify the Lord, repent, trust, and be redeemed, and then he shares the gospel and brings people to Christ. So this guy, although uh, he's under risk, uh, under threat, he openly goes and shares the gospel. And uh, he just reminds me sometimes of what we read in the uh, in the Bible, you know, people's courage when they have been persecuted. And um, and then uh, people uh, read that, you know, they thought this person was injured or dead or scared, but then they're back preaching the gospel. You know, you have the story of Paul and Silas as well, you know, beaten and then they're singing gospel songs in prison, you know, while they're in the stocks. Yeah, so it's remarkable. one of those people as well. It, mm. It's amazing that this happens in China. You know, you'd think in China that he'd last about all of 30 seconds, and certainly you see him being locked up from time to time. But, uh, yeah, wow. Etienne, we've got to finish up. Um, just a quick reminder to go to uh, IDOP, um, and, of course, you can find IDOP International Day of Prayer um, on vom.com.au, Voice of the Martyrs, that is, vom.com.au. Head over there, check out the uh, video clip on IDOP, and get ready. You can buy tickets there for the um, upcoming uh, movie uh, about Sabina. Sabina tortured, yeah, Sabina tortured for Christ, the Nazi years. The Nazi years. Okay, so head over there to vom.com.au. Um, I will certainly be going to see that movie myself, and I hope that you all will as well. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.